Hi there, I'm Matt Allington and welcome to Power Query Magic and my favourite Power Query feature is the Refresh All button. All right, welcome Matt, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Wynn. Thanks for inviting me all the way from uh, sunny Perth, I'm Indeed. sure. Indeed. It is actually sunny today. I went camping on the weekend, absolutely freezing, lashed it down with rain. Oh, oh really? Horrible. Absolutely horrible. So we're basically, I think mm -hmm. our camping days done over it. <laughs> yeah, well, we've had our fair share of rain here in Sydney, as I'm sure you're aware. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. How, how's the wet weather affecting your golf game? Um, there's lots of things affecting my golf game. I don't think it's the weather. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, my golf's pretty ordinary. Is, at the, moment, is, is the golf a, a new venture or have you always played a little bit? Uh, I think I'm uh, not always, definitely. I'm not sure if I'm three years in or four oh. years as one of those two. And, and that's a funny thing, maybe not funny, just interesting observation when you work for yourself, like I work for myself now, I work from home, I'm in my little uh, box and I sit in here, I've been sitting in here for eight years. And so, you know, there's just no, you need a reason to get out. And and also to get a bit of sunshine, you know, I don't go to the office regularly. And so golf is a real escape for me because I can go out there, um, I get the sunshine, talk to friends, um, Unfortunately, if you're a little bit stressed, it can be a pretty hard, it's a pretty hard game to play at the best of time. But if you're carrying a little bit of stress, it makes it harder yeah, yeah. And, and then it can make the stress worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, I took it up because I had time yeah. now. Um, the other thing is it's a sort of a game that if you play on the weekend, it's, it's pretty hard to get, a, to get around, to get a spot. Whereas, you know, I tend to work on the weekend and then take a little bit of time uh, off during okay. the week. Yeah, so. yeah. So that works for me So as if, well. you're, if you're sort of playing with a couple of random folks, you know, making up a foursome or something like that, and people go, so, Matt, what do you do? So what's, what's, what's the uh, pitch? What's the elevator pitch? <laughs> what's the answer? Yeah. Um, I normally tell people I'm in data analytics. So I help people with data analysis. I also train people um, to how to build those data analysis tools so that's what I, I normally say and most people go oh yeah that's nice and then I say well you know do you know Excel and they go uh no not really I say okay well <laughs> it's kind of like Excel but, yeah. but different um I mean it, of course it depends on who you talk to but um you know a lot of people as you could imagine a lot of people you see out on the golf course midweek you know they're not they're not your 30 somethings yeah. Um, who are who are sort of fairly fresh out of uni? They're people at the other end of their career, and and so perhaps the tools that we use and are using are not we're not on the top of their list of things that yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even my family, you know, I'm not sure that my family, not all of them anyway, really know what I do. They just know I um, I work for myself and do something with data. Yeah. And um, I mean, every now and then I I build stuff that. I share with them so they get a bit of a insight. I'm sure they wonder how you can make money doing, <laughs> doing that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, one of one of well, I guess they don't see the uh, the back end, but one of one of my long term um, 
family tools that I built was a uh, a Kris Kringle allocation tool in Excel. Okay. It's I mean it's absolutely horrible, but I've been doing it for like fifteen or eighteen years nice. now. Every year I just put in the names, hit randomize, yeah. then oh. all the names get shuffled up, automatically sends an email to everyone with a little text file saying nice. Matt buys for Kathy. Excellent. So is that little little bit so of VBA yeah. in the background there, sending that email? There's a lot of e- there's a lot of VBA in the background to make that all happen. And I'll tell you what, through that process, one thing I've learned is that the randomization function in Excel, or my application of the randomization function in Excel, is not that random. Right. And and so my algorithm has been fundamentally flawed over the last 15 years. And all of those uh, complaints from family members saying that they keep buying for the same person, they were exactly correct. <laughs> and so I've, uh, I've, I've deployed a new approach this year using some Power Query, actually. Okay. Um, but you know, interesting segue. Isn't but... one of the Power Query, wasn't there some sort of, have they changed it now that there was some sort of issue with you couldn't really do a random number in a column? Yeah. I'm sure, and and so I actually don't use uh, randomization now. I've, I've I had to get some help, so I've got some uh, some pretty smart Power Query friends, and um, someone wrote me a handwritten piece of M code <laughs> that quite literally builds all of the permutations of X buys for Y out of a okay. out of an audience of twelve or fifteen people. I mean. Just, I don't even understand. I, I look at it and I don't even understand <laughs> it. it. But I, w- I was able to lift that and to take all the unique combinations of X buys for Y in a group of 12 people or whatever it is that I've got. And then um, and then what I ended up doing was I I looked back over history and to say, how many times has this person bought for that person? And then basically assign a score to each of the possible outcomes. Right. And then sorted them and then select the possible scenario with the lowest score being the one that will satisfy most people for having bought for someone else the least. I'm not sure whether that translates too well into a, an audio discussion. But, um, is this, but yeah, is this where the sort of uh, one of the foursome just walks off to another group when you're telling them this story? <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah. No, I don't. I don't share this on the golf course. But uh, no, but that's um, that's called. I think that's termed over engineering, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you could put the what you put the names in the yeah. hat and draw yeah. it out. Is that what you Something mean? Like I mean, the trouble with that that's fine when everyone's in this in the room on yeah. on a certain date. But when when people are distributed around the place, yeah. um, but you, you I mean, helps learn, though, doesn't it? Help I, help to learn these new techniques if you've got something to. You know, no, absolutely. To play with. I think it's it's actually it's a fundamental point actually that if you want to be good at any of these tools, you know, we're talking about Power Query today or the M language, but you know, more broadly, Power Query or Power Automate or any of these yeah. tools, you need something meaningful to do with it, and because you have to practice, you cannot you cannot get good by conceptualizing what's happening. Um, you know, and I use this actually in my I use golf as an example when I teach people in my classes. And I say, well, you know, I've got this great Tiger Woods book that my neighbor let me in. It's got the nice picture of Tiger on the front. He tells you what he does. And I read the book front to back, and I was no better golfer because I haven't done any practice. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with Power Query. You must, must, must do it. And if you, if you have to do it, you may as well do it something. Use something that you're going to get some value from. Everyone's got something in their personal life that they're going to get some value from. So 
And so at the moment, I'm working on on the River Murray floodwater data, and I've built this report on the fly over the last uh, three days or so, and it's horrible. I mean, I, I know the techniques, of course, yeah. but, you know, it's helping me structure and think about, well, what are the processes that I follow when I'm taking data from multiple data sources that is different, or a different starting point? But then ultimately, I need to put it into a table that has been harmonized, a fact yeah. table in this case. How do I do that? Um, you know, do I store it? Do I write the interim results into CSV and then just load them up or, or what? And, and I still don't know the answer, but I started on this journey and, um, you know, I'd like to backtrack a bit and I tend to go back and fix things incrementally when I, when I make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it takes time. It takes time, and then hopefully you're, you're better and smarter for it, right? So next time you do it, um, you don't make quite as many mistakes and edit, repeat. Yeah. And isn't that the, be That's how isn't I that do the beauty it. of this stuff now, though, this tech, that the incrementalness nature of it, that you can just iterate and keep going. You don't have to plan something out yeah. for six months and sort of, you know, you just get in, get your hands in and start playing. I, th I think so, although... Um, it is interesting because someone I, like I'm not classically IT trained. I don't know whether you are win or not, yeah. but uh, so I, I'm sure if you go to do a, a computer science degree, they would teach you about I don't know planning and um, I don't know building entity diagrams or what it is that you want to build or, or whatever. There must be some techniques that they use to plan ahead before they actually go ahead and build yeah. and i mean that's not me <laughs> i the last thing i want to do is is plan i my, i mean i although to be fair the last thing i want to do is document a plan i do plan yes but i do it in my yes. head yeah yeah i think about what do i want to do do i know what i want to do but you don't always think through the issues you don't even know what the issues are that are going to come down the track no until some point in time. So, um, yeah, so I, I do wonder whether if I had more classical training, whether I would be make less mistakes. Um, yeah, I, don't I don't know. I, I, from my experience, having, you know, we've been, been sort of consulting building solutions in Excel for 15 years now. And it was always a case of there were these old, uh, you know, bigger systems that were always export to Excel at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And those, like one of the spreadsheets I built, somebody tried to sort of convert it into a proper IT system. And, you know, the planning stage cost twice as much as the actual tool that they'd been using for two years that I built in Excel. Yeah. And it's just, and they never got anywhere yeah. with it. They just carried on. It's, Excel's yeah. working. Let's just stick with it, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of iterative, because it was quick and iterative and people don't know what they want until they see what they want. You can just, and same with Power BI, it just applies on the same foundations, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Port Pirie High School, South, oh South Australia. Where, where did you <laughs> okay. get that? Where did you get that what, little blast from the What did young Matt think he'd be doing? <laughs> How did you know I went to Port Pirie High School? Um, the internet's an amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> You've been doing some research. I'm, I'm hoping there's nothing. I'm hoping that's there's a, nothing on the internet about me being at. Port that's Pirie about Hospital. it. That's about as as far as I go. So, uh, so Port, where is Port Perry? Just sort of for people's benefit. Uh, so it's about uh, two and a half hours north of Adelaide. Okay. So straight up the uh, straight up the peninsula there, up towards Port Augusta. Yeah. 
So um, and yeah, it's um, a yeah, it's a uh, I was going to say mining town, but it's not a mining town. It's got this, uh, a smelters there, so it's oh, okay. an industrial an industrial town. Uh, industrial town, yeah, BHP. But uh, what was on there, what was on so. Matt's mind back in you know? Why was I? Why was I? What would you think? What did you think you'd end up doing? What was the dream? Um, I didn't know. I mean, interesting. I, I met my first computer at Port Perry High okay. School. Um, it was a um, I don't know a HP something with a with a cassette right. drive. Yeah, Does yeah. everyone even know what one of those things are? <laughs> and um, and I remember going in and getting a library book and programming. You know, like had code in it, basic code, and actually writing out this code after school in this HP. Um, compact computer right. or whatever yeah, it was yeah, called yeah, yeah. and um so this is i mean this is going back this is this has got to be 77 something like that yeah, 78 yeah. orders of magnitude yeah um and then we got a um an apple II. okay i think it was an apple II uh computer at school it used to be part of the computer club and the chess club so i guess i was always very um always very logical thinker and I just I loved that computer and yeah and yeah. so I guess I don't know that I explicitly thought I would end up doing anything in this space um I mean I I really spent 20 well certainly 20 years not working with computers um although it was always an interest yeah, so of mine it's a weird split um, then to going from you know you've got that little sort of scent or taste for that sort of world but then yeah life takes you down another path sort of thing yeah that's right and i mean i just i guess i followed the opportunities that were there i worked at at woolworths for, for many years and then coca-cola for 25 years and yeah and that i mean i always liked i always used the tools that we had when when i had an opportunity um i was actually as i was thinking about this chat today um so when I was at Coke and I was a rep, um, I wanted to get data. Do you remember the old computer paper that was blue and white stripes with the holes down the side? Yes. So we had a we had a mainframe computer, and so we used to get all these printed reports of all of our sales from our customer, and and that that was a little bit too complex for me. So I used to log into the computer, and I discovered this uh, software that they had that would take the print, the spool file, right? So the output that they were going to send to the computer. Right. And this software would actually convert that output into more of a tabular data. And it was it was very, very similar to Power Query. It's, it's quite remarkable. I don't remember what it was okay. called, but you used to, I think these pages were like 80 characters wide, I want to say. And you could sort of say in character, in, in column 60, if you get a letter B, then ignore that line. Right. Okay. And then you know, on row fifteen, whatever the characters are, that becomes the header. It was very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so often they would use the piping character to separate the the data. And so if there's a piping character, turn that. That's the beginning of a column. It was this software was so similar to Power Query? It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of a bit of a flashback with you yeah. with you asking that question. Um, so yeah, even when I was not working with computers, I guess I was always—I really loved data. I was always doing something. Did you sort of um, did you sort of lean because you from sort of scanning down your you know your profile and from what you've chatted to you before, there have been like lots of roles managing staff and um, I'm not sure what's involved in a rep role as well. But it, you know the core of it isn't data. But you, you're saying you sort of 
you liked getting into that a bit when you had the opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I've certainly had a, a different range of roles and now working for yourself, I think, um, and you would know being in business yourself, when that you sort of have to be a bit of everything. Um, you have to learn a lot of skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, in, in a lot of the formal roles that I had, even though I wasn't doing traditional IT stuff, one of the things I was successful in is actually using data to my advantage. And I think even more than that, I was, I was able to get the data during a period when it was very difficult to get the data. Right. And so I think if you look at Power Query today and Power BI, I think those tools make the data accessible to the average business user in, in a robust way. Yeah. And, and in many ways, what one of the skills that helped me be successful was that without those good tools, I was still able to get the data. Yeah, yeah. So by doing, getting extracts, um, a bit of VBA, you know, so VBA, if you think about it, in a way, um, Power Query is a substitute for VBA. It, they're they're oh, completely different software. Absolutely. But what, what people used to use VBA for, what people like me, yeah, me used to use VBA for, was to cleanse data to get it to a stage where you could work on it. And so even though those two products are very different, they're substitutes for each other. Yeah. Another example is Access. Now, I used to use Access because there were things that I couldn't do easily in Excel that Access would do so much better. And so um, a good example would be I used to, uh, I was working for, I was in Coke, and I was doing customer management, and the customer used to send me this is now we're, we're talking advanced now. This is past 1977. Right. So they used to send me a floppy disk, oh, you know, right, the, yeah, yeah. the three, three and a quarter skilled up. inch yeah. floppy disk yeah. with, with a, had a, a CSV file, I'm sure, of all of, the, all of the sites that they operated. There'd be 600 sites in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And then we had our master data that I could get the extract. And so my, you know, I had to work out which ones were missing. Yeah, yeah. Now... You could, you could load them both up into Excel and then do a VLOOKUP and copy and paste it down, and that worked. But because I kept getting these updates every month, I thought there's got to be a better way of doing this. And so the solution I came up to, I came up with was to use Access. So I used to load my tables in Access. I used to load the customer's tables in Access, and then I'd build a query in Access that would do left out of join, tell me, you know, do a right out of join, okay. tell me which one's missed. I mean, you had to teach yourself all of this, right? Because I, I didn't I was, know anything about that. I was going to ask when that. I started. So I was going to ask, you know, how did you come up with that? Had you seen, did you, were you looking over somebody's shoulder? Were there someone sat next to you? Know. Or did you just go, you know, I don't know. find out? I, I guess it's probably the latter. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, I tend to be very curious about stuff where, you know, I'll read something and I'll say, hmm, that's, interest that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting solution to a problem that I don't have. And then I just file that away. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, then, and then in literally years down the track, when I come up with a problem, somehow I can just recall... And I might not know exactly, you know, where or when the solution was, was available. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I think because I have a very logical, structured mind, 
Um, and because of my collective experience over over time, I just sort of petition stuff. I don't know. I guess that's the way the brain works, right? Yeah. You you tend to structure your thinking. You can always link a personal experience with a similar personal experience, maybe that gave you a similar um, outcome. And um, and yeah, I guess I've just been able to do that with software, business software, yeah. data manipulation tools, and the way data works. You mentioned you mentioned um, about access as well. And I sort of I tweeted about this yesterday. I was commented on something. Um, so what my little epiphany moment with Power Pivot was um, a client had a massive text file. It was a four gigabyte text file from the tax office mm. with all their tax mm-hmm. transactions. And it was too big for an access. Access can only could only process a two gig text file. So I brought it into mm. Excel, you know, and the, the tables had turned. It was like, oh, the, yeah, the file's too the big for access. So let's bring it in. And this is like, and like everyone was just, I was blown away myself. It took about half an hour to load. Mm. But it was just like, wow, this is, you know, I've suddenly got this extra superpower thing now. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just really good. Uh-huh. And so what was your first sort of inkling around sort of, uh, you know, power pivot being sort of, you know, game changing as it were? And the big, or my, uh, um, my first experience was when I was still at Coke and, and I read Rob Colley's book. Yeah. That was the, his, the original book, um, Power Pivot. Um, I, I don't think Power BI was even a, a thing then. No. Nope. I'm sure I've probably got I it think, here. I think I'm going to bring my copy out as well. Just to, just Max Formulas for Power Pivot. Max Formulas for Power but Pivot. Yeah, I don't, have, I don't have that one. But, um, but yeah, so sorry, the reason I said that was the second one was that... Um, Little known fun fact, I used to print that book in Australia under the authority of Bill Jellum, and that book was too big for the standard size Australia Post envelope. <laughs> so I, I used to print it 14% smaller in order to be able to fit it into an envelope <laughs> okay. so that I could ship it around Australia. So, nice. um, But anyway, that was, that so was does, the first book. Does that so mean I read... that my version that I've got here is 14? 14... No, no. You're, I don't know. where It depends where you got it from. I well, guess. But that was the book that, um, I don't know, it's, it changed everything for me. I literally remember reading that book in, in bed at night and, it just, um, and just being absolutely jaw-dropping, couldn't, couldn't believe that this stuff was possible. Um, and I'm not sure whether I started to read Rob's blog first or after that, or I certain, certainly was in touch with him around that time. So I was, I was running... Um, business intelligence for Coke in Asia Pacific at the time. And we had, we had a Microsoft shop. So we, we were using Excel, um, basically Excel with a thin connection through to analysis services, multi-dimensional oh, okay. on-premise server. And I was trying to, and we also had um, an enterprise edition of SharePoint, which we purchased in order to get pro clarity back in the day. Okay. No, and up. I, and I was, yeah, so ProClarity was a was a, a a very good piece of BI software back in 2012 thereabouts. Um, Microsoft bought them, was going to bundle it as part, and then back in the day they weren't really sure what they were doing. Well, no, that's not. I didn't mean it to come out that way. They weren't really sure. I think on the destination they were starting to bring these technologies into Power Pivot for Excel, SQL Server Analysis Services. Um, SharePoint Enterprise Edition. Yeah. So I don't know if everyone sort of listening would know this, but um, you used to be able to build a, 
Excel Power Pivot workbook with the tabular model involved, publish it to SharePoint Enterprise Edition, and have SharePoint automatically refresh it for you oh, okay. without you doing anything. Right. And then you could then go into PowerPoint and embed the Excel file from SharePoint Enterprise Edition and have it interact live in a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> this was this was 2014. Right. And I said eight years ago. We've come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so we've come full circle. Yeah, so I'm not sure what it was, whether it was when James Phillips joined or whatever, or whether they... I don't know. I mean, I guess it's very similar to what you and I were saying before, where you start on a journey, you you do so uh, with your eyes wide open, you think you're making good decisions, but you learn as you go. And and I mean, and so I, I suspect Microsoft at some point in time came to a, a decision that pursuing the power pivot as the primary game was not the best option. There would have been many reasons technology Disconnect was one. Yeah. Um, I mean, you remember PowerView, right? So PowerView, um, I never liked PowerView. No. But they, you can, if you go back and look at it now, you can see what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. But they were hamstrung by the by the tabbed interface in Excel, by the technology, the visualization technology. And so then I think, oh, I actually don't know if this is true or not, but certainly definitely is true as Microsoft started Power BI, like building a brand new shell so because it's three things right it's etl which is now power query yeah it's data modeling dax which is the analysis services engine and then it's the visualization layer those three things make up what power bi is today and they certainly had us started building it and then they stopped and threw it away and started again that happened. Okay. So now I don't know whether they were using Silverlight as the visualization. Well, they certainly use Silverlight for power in view. Power View. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm ninety nine percent positive that they actually started Power BI and then stopped, and and then basically rebuilt again um, because they just learnt stuff about the technology and the deployment methodology yeah, yeah. and. Yeah, and, and all those sorts of things. And I guess new new techniques, new technology comes along, you know, within half an hour of starting something, you go, oh, you know, this is much better. And you just chop and yeah. change and, yeah, okay, wow. Um, so sometimes starting again is the, is the most efficient, effective way of doing it. Yeah. Um, now, if you, if you look at Office, the other thing about, uh, I remember talking to Rob Colley about this because Rob Colley, was a program manager on the office team and he was doing Excel at the time that Power Pivot was being done. That's, that's the link that he had with, with these technologies. And I remember him saying that one of the issues that they had was that the, you know, they were trying to work at a pace with these new technologies, Power Pivot, but the office team for good reasons, the office team's like 35 years old, right? Or the, t the technology footprint's 35 years old. And so they had a very slow, um, structured release cycle. So, you know, yeah, Office three years. 20, 2013, 2016, yeah, 2020. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the rate, the rate of change of this brand new product um, was so great that they just, there's just no way that that was going to work. Yeah. Um, so almost by separating those two things apart, they were able to to take off at a at a different pace, and then this also comes back. You, you remember this well, Win, is that 
you know, back in the day, Office, there was a 32-bit and then they developed a 64-bit and there was no IT country and uh, company uh, section IT department in the world that would go to 64-bit because all of the plugins, yeah. particularly if you're in finance, you had all these SAP add-ins yeah, and stuff yeah. that only worked for 32-bit. And there wasn't one piece of software in the office suite that needed 64-bit. And so basically no one upgraded it until Power Pivot came along. And then if you only had the the 32-bit of Excel, you ended up with, I think it was a two-gigabyte limit file size, which seems like a lot at the time. But with with early adopters doing poor data modeling design, um, it, it got to... To, uh, it got pretty slow yeah. pretty quickly, and they did. Even it did have a, you know, Power Pivot was pretty buggy. You know, it was awesome, but it was pretty buggy. And I know that sort of the Excel teams spent a lot of effort re- rehashing yeah. it to make it sort of a bit more, you know, production the, ready. The irony is, 2010 was rock solid. 2010. The 2010, was rock 2010 solid. but that was with the yep. Power Pivot. That was add-in. a plugin. Yeah. Okay. It was that was as an add-in, and as soon as they soon as they bundled it with Office, they lost that ability to do, you know, the patching and the, and the rapid development yeah, and changes yeah. and stuff. That was also the version that they renamed the measure and renamed it calculated fields. Was that a Rob Colley thing? Did he do that as well? No, he no, he hated it. Okay, we'll let him off that one. He hated it, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, they went to calculated fields. Yeah. But it was no doubt someone in the Excel team. Um, the Excel team, you know, Love them, you know, 35 years of, uh, of pleasure. Um, but, you know, they're pretty set in their ways on some things. The naming conventions is one. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not my favourite thing about Excel. Nah. The, old, the, good, the old chestnut is the, um, when they took away the Power Query menu, which was my favourite tab in the entire. Yep. Um, and they took it away and they, and they hid Power Query under Get Data. Yeah. Or get, or get and transform yeah. data, whatever oh, yeah. it was that they were. I've been campaigning get for a get that ribbon back for ages. I'm, I'm falling on deaf ears most of the but time. It, but, it's, but have you noticed that not the ribbon, but there is a ribbon now called Query? This is, I noticed oh, when like you clicked two inside the table? Yes. Yeah. There is a new ribbon called Query. Oh, it's, been but, a, it's been around for a while. Like, it's just one of those ones that people don't notice. It has been around yeah, for a while. But they but they won't call it Power Query, <laughs> you know, because because that would that would be backtracking too far. Yeah, yeah. And and admitting. Why well, I don't know. It's just I mean, it's just hiding this, you know, it's just hiding some of Excel's greatest ever features under yeah. the hood somewhere. Uh, and it's just yeah. yeah. I mean in, in the defense of the Excel team, what they what they say is that they want the naming conventions to be process based. So what are you gonna do? And therefore, so, you know, that's why they say get and transform because that's the task that you want to execute. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just think you've got to compromise um, a little bit. I remember every we go back to that cycle where you're talking about upgrades in Excel, you know, or, you know, Excel 2007, 2010. The first thing I would do is open it and go through those menus yeah, like, a, you yeah, know, yeah. With, a, with a Hawkeye trying to find what's new yeah. in here. And, and so... You know, a new tab saying Power Query. Wow, you know, that's going to get some attention. What's Power Query? Yeah. And then you go and do some investigation. And, you know, the, the number of people, you know, when they're running training and you you show them that, you know, this is the section that's Power Query, they just like, mm, never even glanced at that, you know. Yeah. No idea. And you still find that today? Yeah, yeah, totally. 15, 15% I mean, tops. 
15's the number. I've been I've been quoting fifteen percent yeah. for five years. I thought it would have gone up. I've by never now. Se- no, it's never changed. No. So um, the people that come along and want training still don't know what power query is. And, and I don't. I you know I, I've got no empirical evidence, but I have no grasp of the fact that anybody who sees it doesn't love it and doesn't start using it. You know, yeah, I don't see I anybody who goes. Oh, that's nice, and then just ignores it. This just, it just, uh, yeah. I think yeah. everybody. I think VBA is a bit beyond some people. Oh, that's right. why not everyone's taken up VBA. Yeah. But I don't think that's. Tr- and in fact, I think I think Power Pivot and yeah. DAX is also harder to learn. And it doesn't mean that it can't be learned. But you just have to make a bit of a commitment, and you'll have to do some probably some formal training and certainly some learning to get started yes. and if you want to be good you probably need to do some structured training yeah but power query i'm not, i think you can benefit from structured training but i think you can teach yourself um, a little bit easier than you can with the other products yeah you, you might not be an, an expert without training but you can get 90 percent of the benefits without doing anything i reckon yeah you can you can get, make get us get started and it's and the thing I love about it is is the sort of shallow learning curve. You can just do a yeah. basic little bit, see what's going on, and then do a little bit more. And, and, you know, I always have to remind myself that, you know, my full-time job is learning this stuff so I can teach people and train and develop it for clients who are paying some good money for, you know, getting stuff done quickly and in the right way. Whereas most people yeah. have got a proper job to do. And the, yeah. the tech is just supporting them when they've got time to have a look at it. And yeah, and they're I only agree. dipping in and out, and it take does take you know some people love this stuff like us you know we we just get into the learn we get a buzz from learning it, but some people are just like I just want to get my job done and I know how to do it this way and I can do it in half an hour, or you're telling me I've got to spend five hours tr- struggling with something to get it done quicker in two months time while well, I just don't have the time. It's, yeah, it's that sort of yeah. I still think Power Query, though, if there's going to be a tool that will give them a quick return for your effort. Yeah. Um, I think the toolbars laid out well. Um, you you don't have to learn any of the M language if you don't want to. Um, certainly not required. And I think you can do a lot of very good, simple, common tasks yeah. very quickly and easily. Yeah. Um, but once again, a little bit of little bit of learning is not going to go astray. But I mean, when I when we teach um, Power Query, we'll often do just like a file combine and compare. And often people will say, you know, that that saves that would save me four hours a week. Yeah. Just that alone. Yeah. Um, and I think the trick is then to take that four hours a week and reinvest it in learning. What else can you save? Um, yes. Although not everyone's so inclined. Some people, I, I distinctly remember doing some um, training for a particular company and the a number of people in the room were really quite threatened by what it was that we were covering okay. because I, I because they'd built their career on the manual processes of solving these problems. Yeah, yeah. And, and not everyone that... You know, it's it's common to say, well, you know, if, if only I didn't have to do all this prep, I could spend this time on analysing or adding value. But not everyone can do both. Some people are, are just really good and solid at doing the the work required to get it to a point of analysis, and that if they had to stop doing that and start adding some other um, data analytics, maybe they're just not 
cut out for that. Yeah. I think it can be quite threatening for some people. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's, um, there's the scenario where that, that time you get freed up. I don't, it just seems that there is, there is a never ending pipeline of work. So yeah. I, I think it is, a, I generally think it is a, people really feel that, but I don't think it's a real scenario because it just, more work comes in, it never ends. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we're meant to all be work doing two days, you know, for the last 30 years when computers got invented, we're meant to be doing two day weeks or nothing now. So, yeah. yeah. It was pretty common for people to say in my training classes, you know, I'm going to be out of a job and I've never seen it. Nah. You're never out of a job. There's... Um, and you, There's always going to be something, isn't there, to take just, up that space. And if you're doing this stuff, I think you just become more valuable. You know, because if you leave, then they're going to have to, you know, get somebody in. Or, you know, if you want to leave, then you're just more, you're more marketable yeah. with these skills. Um, I mm. wish, I, I don't, I haven't seen it yet, but I would wish that nowadays when job ads come out, you know, an Excel is is a requirement, that those job ads had a bit more, you know, a bit more specific and certainly for analyst roles and things like this it should be you know you know power query you know power pivot um th yeah. those sorts of things it would be i think beneficial yeah. uh, there's another interesting observation that i have made or you know think about sometimes um with these new tools power query um power pivot or power bi whatever there's a lot more citizen built um, production systems out there today than perhaps there were in the past. And I, th I think, well, actually, if I could restate that, they've always been out there, but they've always been Excel. Yeah. And, and so now they're this new suite of tools, even if Excel is still the shell. Um, and I think a, almost the better you were at Excel, and I, I, I know a guy at Coke, like he was a VBA genius, um, all of his solutions, you know, you'd open them up and they'd be moving, the page would be moving around and buttons flashing, click me, click me. You know. yeah. But the problem was, as soon as he moved on, it was completely unsupportable. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. Um, the, he was the only person in the world that knew how it worked. Yeah. yeah. And so, so then you'd have to, you know, it's like doing a hard disk wipe when you had a, um, a new employee, literally had to start again because it was so complex. And I wonder whether the same is going to be true for some of these data modeling power query type tools, um, where I, I think if it's simple and you've, and you've got well-designed power query, I think anyone could take it up. But if the more complex it gets, um, the harder it is to, to, for someone else to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's a, it is a trade-off between what, you know, if you build, if something's built from a, let's say it's a third-party tool built all coded in in the background, all black box, locked down, no one has this expectation that somebody else can pick it up and tweak it. Yeah. Because I've built stuff for clients in the past that I've spent three months building, okay? And then they've gone, oh, it's a little bit complicated. You know, can, how do we change this? And it's just you don't. <laughs> I know it's built in Excel, but it is not for you to go playing about with. It is yeah. a tool yeah, that you right. built to a spec and you shouldn't be going in the back end and, and mm. tweaking it. Um, but do you, do you document the design and the operation manuals and stuff like that for those types of standalone Excel products? 
not in terms of the actual, you know, I guess the best approach is to try and document within the code itself because the, yeah. the, the external documents just are out of date within five minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's more a case of, you know, just giving enough explanation to somebody who has the skill set to, to assist them, point them in the right direction, point out any of the mm. pit, pitfalls. Um, and I think it's that's often the way it's going to go with, you know, the the Power BI solutions as well, is that I've seen people spend days documenting stuff. And it's yeah. externally, you know, you know, all these screenshots, click here, click here, click that, click this. But it should all be done internally and mm. maintained that way, is, is, is my view, with a yeah. overarching bit of documentation about you know the general process otherwise it's just out of date but yeah yeah um, so i think and i think if you're a professional and you're building these tools professionally and you're doing those things then that's great but the risk is when you have citizen developers who yes, have yeah. a lot of enthusiasm above the 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 formal training on how to do it in a robust way and yeah. particularly if they build bad badly designed models then even if you are a professional it's pretty hard to come in and, and fix it up but is it is it a so, step so is power bi then you know I, i'm feeling that power bi is a bit of a step towards bringing the it world and the excel world together and microsoft hmm. spent you know the last couple of years really sort of i guess hardening the the it enterprise side of this and I often hear the sort of IT type folks on podcasts and things talking about, you know, how are we going to trace this? How are we going to work out the lineage of this, that and the other and where this is linked and sort of getting quite concerned about it. But they have actually implemented a lot of functionality to try to negate some of that risk, which was always yeah. there because it was just being yeah. done in Excel and access databases. Um, and yeah. now it's a bit more coordinated. Um, so... It, it's the worlds are coming together a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. And um, I mean, in the past, businesses would build access solutions and they would use them. And then if they wanted IT, if it became a process or a system that needed to be elevated to an enterprise level, IT would literally delete the, the database and build it again for a million dollars. Yeah. Whereas I think I think Power BI has the potential of there being some sort of migration path. So, um, you know, depending on, on where the data is coming from, you could go into Power Query and repoint all the tables that were coming from consolidating CSV files and point them to a SQL database. Yeah. Um, and, and that way you get to keep um, all the transformation or... Well, you can push it into the database, you get to keep the DAX, you get to keep the reporting stuff. It's a very different migration from developer or from citizen developer solution to yeah, enterprise yeah. solution if you want to go down that, that yeah. track. Or, or don't make that migration, you know, just just keep it as a um, an operational citizen developed solution. Yeah. Perhaps with a little bit of that structure that you talked about that used to be totally reserved for enterprises in the past. I do think there's, you know, there's this, one of the key things, and I, I'm, I'm biased, you're going to be biased. People need training in some of this, just in, you know, just to, when they were starting to implement this stuff, just because it puts them off on the right foot. I've helped people who have been watching videos that are six years old and doing the wrong thing and going off down the wrong path. 
and people yeah. have been playing with Power BI for three years, and then they come on training and they go, "Oh, that all right? That make you've must have had the same thing, you know?" Yeah, absolutely. So everybody yeah. can benefit, I think. So uh, um, yeah. Uh, so your blog post, your blog. Okay, I went, I scrolled back through, did a lot of scrolling, a lot of blog posts. I don't know if it was your first one, but the first one I came across is 2014 on Power mm -hmm. Query. Consolidate multiple Excel files in SharePoint using Power Query. February yeah, 2014. So yeah, amazing, does that sound about, were you blogging, did you do anything on Power Pivot Pro before that? Or was that your first? Uh, about the same time. Oh, was okay. it, would you say February 2014? Yeah. Was that first yeah, yeah. one, was it? Yeah, so I, would, I was still at Coke. No, I couldn't have. Uh, interesting. Because I wouldn't have had my company set up really if I did. I didn't <laughs> hadn't told Coke because uh, I actually left Coke in April 2014. Oh, okay. But it was about that time that I that I perhaps did set up my website and I started to do my planning. I distinctly remember wow. coming back at the start of 2014. Okay, and I I was ready to move on. Yeah. So um, yeah. so I couldn't have my website up by then. Um, but yeah, so I left. Um, Coke on, I believe it was the 24th of April, the day before Anzac Day 2014. I did a lot of blogging on Rob's website for right. a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Uh, every, every two weeks, certainly for the first 12, maybe 24 months, I don't remember. If I, my one regret I have is that I, I didn't do enough blogging on my website uh, early on. Okay. So, you know, I was trying to, I mean, back in the day, you know, no one had heard of me. I hadn't written my books. I hadn't yeah, spoken yeah. at conferences and things like that. So I was deliberately, um, you know, using Rob's blog as a way of getting some exposure and it was good for him as well. I would give him some content. Um, but yeah, I, I vaguely remember writing that. And this is back in the day when there was very little content around about yeah, Power Query. Yeah. It's very early on and, um, you know, you didn't have things like automatic generated functions and file combine automated. And so you actually had to really understand how it worked. And in fact, there wasn't even parameters back in the day. So you actually, I think you actually had to go and create a, another query that returned a scalar value and then... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was... Yeah. And so I, my recollection from that blog article was that somebody else had written an article about combining files from a folder and then I went and read that, learned how it worked and then adapted it for SharePoint. And actually now I think about it, I reckon what was happening was that we were doing some budgeting at Coke and you know those processes were pretty bad back then. They're probably still pretty bad now. Um, where and I thought at least conceptually we should be able to have months along a spreadsheet along the top, cost center down the side, save the file on SharePoint. Every cost center manager fills in their own form, and then we do a straight file combine. There's your budget. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th this is the this is why I was so excited about these products back then was that I just I know how hard it used to be to do this sort of stuff, particularly with a distributed. Um, organization you know we were yeah. we were right around um you know china japan right through to india right. new zealand so we were pretty well distributed but what one thing we had was sharepoint and um and so we that solution certainly work could work there i think clearly it had you know the biggest impact on the people who were feeling the pain from the existing yeah. world you know i was the same same sort of thing you know you, and you suddenly read that book and it's just like 
this talking to me. This is what I end up doing, and this can just make yeah. This is just awesome. So that's uh, right, and I think this is one of the reasons why people who are not necessarily uh, classically trained, but actually have that bent, but also um, the pain. And yeah. so you know, this is. I think this is one of the reasons why you know the MVP program is valuable to Microsoft because the the engineers and the program managers that are building these tools often don't have those real world experiences. Yeah. Um, and so they're good intention. They're they're good at planning. They're good at building code, um, but they don't have that experience in the real world and. And so if you can, whether it be you know, a Microsoft MVP or whether it's that power user that works in the organization or that, you know, that one guy down at the back dock that, you know, knows how to use uh, Excel like nobody else. Yeah, These yeah. people are, um, are sort of shiny objects that uh, you can go and go and talk to. Quiz. Yeah, there's a big eye opener yeah. for me when I sort of, you know, heard, I think probably Rob or some other people talk, talking about that fact that they didn't, you know, never really worked in business or industry. So they don't really know yeah. how the tool is being used. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yeah. wow, that's, yeah, actually, it's because they're brilliantly smart, but yeah, they just never had the experience. Yeah. It's just, wow. Different, okay. different experiences, uh, yeah. And are you, are you responsible for the term, the collie method? Yes. Can you claim? Yes, that? I am. Are you? Okay. Yes, I am. Right. First recorded <laughs> in this, in this book. In Learn, Learn to Write, to write Dax. Dax. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, uh, front cover designed by my daughter. Uh, but yes, I, I coined the, the Collie Layout methodology for the first time ever in that book. And Excellent. yeah, I mean, I learned, I learned Dax from Rob and um, he teaches people to put dimension tables at the top, pivot tables at the bottom because the filters flow downhill and whatever yeah. filters at the top go down the bottom, but they don't go up the other way. So it just stuck a, struck a chord with me when I learned that. And um, and I've been teaching DAX for eight years now, and I've, I always teach that technique. Um, yeah. You know, not, it doesn't doesn't gel with everyone. You don't have to do it. it. Obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but it makes no difference where the tables are on the diagram view. It doesn't make any functional difference, but it makes a conceptual difference if you're trying to understand what's going on. One of the, because you know, I love that technique, even to the point that it's sort of almost, I have a, a visceral reaction if I see it laid out any other way. Me, uh, me too. I can't, um, I can't process it. No, and but like the little bit of me that dies in training courses is, you know, at the end of day two or whatever, I look at somebody's farm, the tables are just laid out everywhere, and yeah, I'm just like, because it, oh, it didn't gel with, it didn't, it, didn't it did not. The importance of it did not. Yeah. slam home and it just kills me a little bit just, yeah I, no I, i'm i'm oh totally God. aligned with that but, uh, <laughs> but it made it all the way back to rob because last time i maybe it was the last time i was in seattle i had a loose end one day and i went to a a training course that rob was doing i think it might have been actually with microsoft and um he was about to talk about the model and he and he called it out. I was sitting at the back of the room, and he said, "And Matt, what do we call this technique?" <laughs> nice. So uh, yeah, so I think it's found the way back. Very good. Um, you know, because you're you're known for DAX, you know. So, but so where does Power Query sort of fit into the story for you, really? I mean, look, Power Query is probably fifty percent of what I do when I do consulting work for people. Yeah. So. You know, I talked before about the three things. You've got the ETL, 
which is Power Query. You've got the data modeling DAX, and then you've got the visualization layer. So you actually need to be good at all three of them if you want to build end-to-end -end solutions. Given that most of my customers don't have SQL databases as the back end, Power Query is a much more important solution. I mean, as you know, the simplest form, Power Query, connect to a table. Yeah. Connect to a query and that's it. And it's already been um, manipulated and it's nice and clean. Well, if you're in the world where Excel CSV is the source, then you basically have to do that whole ETL yourself and Power Query has made that um, significantly easier. Um, so yeah, it's it's at least 50% of what I do um, and uh, I wouldn't wouldn't want to do it without it. But I'm actually interested in your views, um, Wynn, because um, the more complex I build, well, the more solutions I build that are complex, the more I realise that the current approach has got its limitations. So, you know, where, you, where you're getting daily extract files and you're doing file combined, oh, yeah. there, there is a limit. There's a limit, right? And so um, I'm at, I've got a client at the moment that gets a a daily, it's a horrible tech daily text file. And it's, um, it's think of the file that grows every day, right? So it's, it's got sales in it and every day it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. But it's a year to date, sorry, lifetime to date file, oh, right? right? So, so it gets bigger, but it's also the, the numbers in the individual cells are getting bigger because it's, it's adding today's sales against yesterday's sales. Oh God. And so the solution that I built using Power Query is it takes the latest version of the file and the second oldest version of the file and it subtracts them from each other. Right, yeah, yeah. Leaving the daily sales. Now, in a perfect world, you just go back to them and say, can you just give me this in a table with today's sales? And they say, yeah, sure, here it is. And then it's easy. <laughs> but, you know, we don't live in a perfect world. And, no, um, no. and so I, I just couldn't imagine how I could build a solution without a tool that would do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure how it would have been done in the past. I don't um, well, Yeah. I'd say VBA and think. crazy stuff, you know, that, yeah, that sort of thing. And does this lead to, sort of, you know, for me, Power BI would just be a, another IT tool if Power Query didn't exist? Um, I, I don't know where Power BI would be without, if it was just sort of the data model. And the visualization layer, and you have well, to have Power a Pivot. It used to be just a data model. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's still file load in Power Pivot. You can you can load a file. You should never do that today's um, age, but you certainly can just load a table. But it presupposes that the data that you're loading is in some sort of reasonable shape. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly there were lots of people doing Power Pivot training before Power Query was really a mainstream thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but maybe people needed to cleanse the data in Power Pivot. Uh, sorry, in BBA first. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was was good about the basic Power Pivot load is that if you had a CSV file with fifty columns and you needed four, you could just load those four. So one of the things the Power Pivot data load could do is deselect the columns that you didn't yes, want. Yes, yes. And and you could also filter the rows that you didn't want. So those two things were a big step forward. I mean, previously you would have had to have opened the file, um, probably formatted as a table using VBA to delete the columns that you didn't need. 
uh, delete the rows you didn't need and then save it as a file again. But there's no doubt that Power Query's taken um, uh, citizen-built BI solutions to the next level. Yeah. But of course, it's not only BI solutions, right? So Power Query is a general productivity tool for many different yes, things. Yes, totally, totally. And I think that from sort of well, a lot of the YouTube channels and you know blogs and things or, or podcasts I listen to, I think people from the IT space who live in the world of SQL databases sort of are quite surprised when they play around with Power Query because they never really have to because it's all done in other stuff. And then it's sort of like this yeah. Power Query thing is this sort of, you know, don't really know what it is or it's a nice yeah. to have. But from everywhere I've worked, every client, <clears throat> regardless of the size, it, it, we need it because the files are all over the place. Yeah. So the one limitation that I see, I'll perhaps saying the one limitation is a, is a bit of a oversimplification. Instead of the one limitation, let me say at least one limitation that I see with Power Query as it works with Power BI and Power Pivot is that you must load the results. So, so there's no concept of temporary storage in Power Query. I mean, you can write oh. to a table. Yeah. You can write to a table in Excel. I mean, that's obvious. Um, you could save that <clears throat> that table and you could load it from there. But the, unlike a database, there's no permanent storage. There's, there's no opportunity to run a query and insert records into a table that exists that has accumulated yeah, records yeah, in yeah. the past. Yeah, yeah. And you can't even, and so a, a very common pattern that I use in Power Query is daily, daily file combine. After 12 months, I write 365 days of transactions from the production table to a CSV. Yeah. Take the 365 Excel files out of the folder and archive them. And then from then on, the next day you're only using one file, two files, three yes, files. Yes, yes, and then yes. you append the CSV at the bottom. Yeah. But the point is you can't, you can't load that CSV file <clears throat> into your model and have it not refresh. Yeah. Like that concept doesn't exist. Every connection has to refresh in order to be able to, to load the data. So that, so that more traditional database concept of I'll run a, I'll run a SSIS, a SQL Server Integration Services um, method or whatever they call it, that takes the source data inserts the records in their transformed format at the bottom of the table and then archives the file and then never have to do that again. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. exist yeah, yeah. in Power Query today. No, I think that, um, is a, that is a big missing piece. It's sort of, it's what I would call incremental refresh. That it would be my, and you get it, asked about yeah, it a well, lot. It's sort of. Yeah, so um, in, I mean, incremental refresh it's sort of like incremental refresh, and you can get around it today with incremental refresh. But once again, more more likely so if you've got a, a SQL database yeah, in the back yeah. end. I'm, I'm saying um, it's sort of in, it's, it's, an incremental it, process. Yes. incremental process. There's yeah. no such thing as incremental process. No. So Microsoft's recent, when I say recently, in the last twelve months, they've announced these in Power BI. You've got these data warehouse things that you can set up. Oh, the data mart things. The data mart, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it's but it's it has it's still the same Power Query. Yeah. With you know, effectively, you just it's just another staging place before it goes into the model. There's yeah, no yeah, yeah. there's no true insert delete. No, it'd be nice if they had a 
sort of just even if it if you, even if it integrated into data flows and they could just say right here's my query refresh and lock or something like that or, yeah you know, and then it just locked that as yeah. a history table if if you compare the two products so ssi sql server integration services is a transactional etl tool that takes an input file processes it and inserts the record in a new table and then it will actually archive the file for you yeah so if we use if we talk about the tools that we've got today you would probably use like a power automate to do the moving around of the of the files and you can definitely use the power query to do the uh, incremental refresh but what's lacking is the ability to take the results and insert it somewhere for permanent storage yeah yeah and so uh, our power query models or our power query tools tend to be this ever-growing i've got to process everything with a few workarounds around incremental refresh but um still no 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 solid concept of a permanent storage Persist no, I like that. The, the key point is there's no persistent storage in power query yeah that's that's the issue there's no persistent storage in power bi which i think is fine if you're a reporting tool but we need this interim layer where we've got some persistent storage it would solve a lot um, of yeah challenges for me it's yeah, a missing yeah. piece in the, in yeah, the puzzle but I'm with you um eight years ago it was all missing 35 years ago we didn't have excel or 37. so indeed so, these things get fixed think, things will get done um <clears throat> what pro what prompted you to get into writing a book then um good question i mean i unashamedly told rob cully i'm just going to do what you did <laughs> right. you 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 seem to have been pretty successful yeah. um so he, he, i mean the things that interest rob also interest me i think i got the same um i got the, the same um motivation to solve problems like he did and I, I remember speaking to him on the phone before just before i quit coke saying um mate i think i'm gonna quit and do what you do and he was very supportive and and so i just said i'm gonna create a blog write a book do training right. do consulting that's what i'm gonna do okay and so yeah so i'm like i'm <laughs> i wasn't that smart i just found something that looked like it worked and just copied it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I wrote a book um, because Rob had written a book and, I, I mean, there, at that those days there was, um, um, you know, one of the things about, well, there, yeah, that's right, there was, a, there was a big gap in the market. I really wanted my book to focus on more of an instructional guide on DAX, whereas, um, you know, Rob's book's very comprehensive about, you know what's possible capabilities but it wasn't yeah. really a, a teaching guide yeah I, I i didn't find once i read the book i wasn't i didn't think i i couldn't write dax that's the bottom line i read the book yeah. i loved it got me inspired but i got to the end of it and i sat in my front of my computer and i thought hmm i don't know how to do this right yeah. so i deliberately wrote my book with the view of saying okay if you're coming from excel what do you do well what you do is you read chapter one and then you do the practice exercise then you read chapter two and then you do the practice exercise. And by the time you've read chapter 18, you'll know how to write DAX. So, but, so the motivation was, was the fact that, um, it, you know, a book can give you some credibility, whether it's justified or not, I guess depends if they've read your book or not, but you know, if you've got a book, 
Um, it gives you some credibility and um, it also helps with your thinking. You know, I didn't realize this at the start, but it really helped me um, structure my thinking about how to explain stuff. Yes. Because if you're going to write yeah, it down, yeah. you have it's you learn a lot by teaching someone. Yes. You know, you, you can only Absolutely. get to a certain level to look after yourself. But when you have to explain it to someone else, you go to a different level of understanding. Yeah. Or if you don't want to be a nong, you know, which yeah. I don't. Um, yeah. So, totally. yeah. So it's, and it's been, I've been very lucky with my book. It's been very widely received. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm not even counting the pirate copies that are out there. But um, <laughs> did, you, did you actually enjoy writing it or is it a bit of love hate or is it? <sighs> It was a love, definitely love hate. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not real big at um, self discipline. I, like I tend to do um, just where anything that's shiny that I can go and focus <laughs> on. I'm pretty good at doing that. I'm right. when it's, yeah, when it's yeah. time to buckle down and do stuff. It, yeah, I find it pretty hard. But yeah. um, but Bill Bill Jellen, our mutual uh, publisher, uh, Bill gave me a tip. He just said, work out how many roughly pages. So 250 pages, put today's date, copy it down in Excel, work out how many pages a day at the end yeah. of each day, type in any pages you've written and um, put a chart. And if you're falling behind, <laughs> you know, get your backside into gear. There you go. Bit of visualization skills to yeah. come into it as well. And so, I mean, the reality was I always found it hard to start, but once I started, I found it hard to stop. So I might not yeah, do anything okay. for three days and I'd be dreading it. And then I'd say, okay, I've got to do it today. Otherwise, I'm going to miss the deadline. So I'd start writing and I'd write 50, 80 pages. Right, um, okay, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and, then, and then I'd be exhausted and, you know, edit, copy, repeat. Yeah. And then, mm. and then how did the um, SkillWave sort of partnership come around? Um, that's a, also a good question. So... I mean, I've known Ken for a few years. I'm, I've known Miguel for a few years as, as well, but I, I met, can't really remember where I met Ken, but um, Ken and I were in New Zealand together a few years ago, maybe th three years ago, I'm guessing. I mean, the world's, lots happened in the last yeah, few yeah. years. Is that where you crashed um, but, at Jeff Weir, Weir's house? Yeah, well, <laughs> that was certainly one of the times. So it might have been the, might have been the time. Before. It might have been that time. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, um, Ken and I, I mean, I really like Ken, and I always wanted to do something with him. We talked about um, perhaps doing some training together. We just sort of said, you know, I want to do something together, and we sort of left it at that and didn't really think much more about it. But then, at some stage, uh, Ken and Miguel. Escobar gave me a call and said, you know, do you want to come in and do a JV? I had my own uh, Power Query training prior to that um, that used to sell OK, uh, online video training. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I agreed to go into partnership. You know, obviously you mentioned before when that my, you know, my strength and certainly published or, you know, outward facing strength is DAX you know, because of the things that I've done. Whereas, yeah. you know, Ken and Miguel were much more Power Query. And so... And it's not, I'm not saying I don't have anything to add in the Power Query space, but obviously I bring in um, a slightly different uh, view. So, yeah, so we got together and we created SkillWave training. Um, where since then, Miguel has moved on. He's gone, he's working at Microsoft yeah, now. So, indeed. So we, we got one of the good guys in on the inside uh, <laughs> to work with the other good guys that were already in there. And, were, there, were, there were there debates over the name? Oh, debates over the name. My God, how much time have you got? <laughs> now, I can imagine. I can imagine. That we, 
Now, you, you will not be surprised by this. We literally got spreadsheets full of first names and last names and did a, um, a cross-join right. and came <laughs> up with every every possibility that we could think of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowledge Garden was one that I particularly liked but oh, okay. uh, was, wasn't broadly loved by um, others. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we literally went through. Yeah, it took too much time. <laughs> Multiple weeks to come up with a name. Um, I like it. So, yeah, so it was a good. It was a good call, I reckon. Yeah, that's no, so. fine. We're happy with it. So. <laughs> um, and okay, so um, quick game. I don't know if you've watched any episodes, but I do this little game called Just a Minute, which is a UK radio show where they have to speak no. for one minute. Okay. Oh God. <clears throat> so the idea is that whoever's speaking out of me or you at the end of a minute, we take it in turns. Whoever's speaking at the end is the winner. So I'm picking a topic, when to use Power Query versus DAX, okay? So you're allowed to use the word, you've got to, you can start or I can start. If I pause or you pause, then the other person buzzes in, okay? Okay. There's one more rule. You're not allowed to use any proper word, like other than the and 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 stuff, more than once. So if you oh. hear me say context transition twice or whatever, you can buzz in and you take over. Okay. So it's a bit of a who's speaking at the end of a minute. Um, you, either I can start and then you, you can buzz in when you hear me pause or repeat a word. I think you better start. My strategy okay. is to wait for five seconds to the end. Of <laughs> okay. I will not keep going before I pause, I tell you. So I'm allowed to say the word power query multiple times and I'm allowed to say the word DAX because that's in the title. All right. But otherwise, okay. um, let me get my little timer up. All right, so um, when to use Power Query versus DAX, is that right? When to use Power Query versus DAX. Um, any pauses, ums, ahs, long thoughts, you can just buzz in and take over. I've only ever, I've, I'm about 50-50, I think, in terms of <coughs> win ratio so far. So it's random? Pretty much. And I haven't practiced this, I promise. You know, I could do, but mm. that would just be boring. Mm. All right, so here we go. Okay, so Power Query is there to transform your data into a nice shape, ready for your reporting. Whereas DAX's main purpose is to aggregate and provide a summary of your reports in your visuals on your Power Pivot or Power BI dashboard. The process of pulling in Power Query is using Get Data, whereas DAX is written using measures. Um, oh, I just said um. <laughs> okay, well, so I just said um. I caught I myself think, there. You didn't even buzz in. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. This is, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that fast. Um, yeah, I was just okay. Saying, uh, right, I'm I'm handing over. Here we go. Ready, okay. steady. How go. much time we got? You got. 23 seconds left 23 seconds okay one okay, of the important go. things one of the important things in power query is you can select which columns to keep and which to remove and also the rows can be chosen using the filter buttons that appear at the top of the page there's also a number of other Oh, Buzz, Buzz, 58 seconds. Awesome. Oh. Got you on 58 seconds. Okay, right. So I've got to go. Um, 
Power Query is a lot easier to use than DAX. Yes, right. I made okay, it. Okay, I'll, I'll let you in. Thanks, 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 Matt. Um, okay, so what new things would you like to see coming? What would be your favorite things in Power BI, Power Query, whatever? I think from a Power Query perspective, there's, uh, I think it's pretty fully featured. I mean, we've already talked about one important thing that I'd love to see, which is the ability to disag or separate the concept of the processing of the query from the storage of the data. Those two things are intimately tied. I, I mean, as far as a additional feature that would make a material difference to my life, that that's the one. Right. There's another, is it something that I'd love to see change that um, I've asked for multiple times and no one thinks it's a very good idea. I really hate the, you know, the applied steps on the right-hand side in Power yeah. Query. And they've got spaces in the names. And when you look at the M language, the M code that supports those spaces, it has hash, quote, yes. the word, end quote. Now, if you've got the toolbar turned off and you're a, um, an Excel user, I get that it's human readable language and so I understand the, the thought process that went into that. But as soon as you want to go to the next level, it just makes the code so much harder to read and understand than it needs to be. Um, so I, I would love to see a little toggle in the settings that says use camel case instead of spaces in your applied steps name. Okay. Well, and, and stated differently, I bet you there's no one that writes M code by hand that does hash quotes in order to put spaces in their names. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty safe. So, yeah. So I, I understand Microsoft's trying to make a, a trade-off between uh, supporting business users the way that they normally think, but I, I just think... Um, it, it is possible for people to move into M language. And I would just, I'd love to have the choice to have camel case or underscores, I don't care, but so that we yeah. can get rid of that, that space character. Would an, would an ideal world be that the applied steps had spaces, but the M code automatically got rid of them? That's just so fine that by the, me as Just well. so the applied steps are sort of... But yeah, no, I, I, I know well, what you mean. I, or I, it doesn't I, have yeah, to be yeah. camel case. So maybe, yeah, maybe it no, can I... be an underscore character. And then when it renders in the applied steps, it shows as a space instead of yeah. an underscore. I could live with that yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. I just think it would make it easier yeah. for um, for everyone. So I think so. It looks less scary. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that's the one thing that I can think of. I, I think Power Query is pretty fully featured. Yeah. Um, Power BI-wise, Power BI any... Uh... I haven't Anything really thought about Power BI. I mean, I think the visualization engine you know, needs work. They obviously spent a lot of time over the last few years working on enterprise um, deployment uh, things, you know, which needs to be done for it to be a mainstream solution. I, I don't think there's enough work being done on the visualization layer. Yeah. Um, if you look at a tool like Tableau, so you know, Tableau was successful because it was basically a visualization tool. So um, it was actually developed by the same people that worked in Pixar Studios. So they're actually oh, okay. they're graphical um, experts. Yeah. And, um, and, and so but tab the, the reason Tableau 
has been trumped somewhat by Power BI and is that, or by Microsoft more broadly, is that Microsoft worked on the DAX modeling engine first. I got that right. Then they worked on the ETL engine second, Power Query, and arguably got that right. Yeah. And very early on, they had those two layers, and the third layer, the visualization layer, was horrible. I remember when Power BI first came out, general availability, 2015, I want to say, something like that, July 2015. You couldn't even do a text wrap on a column in a matrix. Yes. So if, if if the column was too wide, I'm not even sure whether you could make it smaller. I don't even think you could make it smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so... It's half the thought, there, yeah. Yeah, well, there was, they had a long way to go, so it was the reality. And yeah. and so I think they need to spend some time and money on the visualisations now. Which the um, murmurings on Twitter and things sounds like that's happening. So, Well, uh, that's good. Which is good. So Yeah, so that's what uh, I'd like to see happening in Power BI. Awesome. Um, and one of the requirements for coming on to Power Query Magic is to leave a link to your most popular and your favourite blog post, article, video, whatever. So what are yep. you gonna what are you gonna leave with us? Well, I did do a little bit of research before we started here today, and my most popular blog is actually, or certainly my most popular Power Query article was called "Remove Duplicates and Keep Last Record." Okay. And it, uh, gee, I, I didn't look at the date, but I'll, I'll send you the link, of course. But it's probably five or six years old, and it's 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 in my top ten of all time right. uh, blog articles. I think it's had like yeah, yeah. seven hundred thousand views or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, and yeah. but what it does is, uh, you know, when you have a table of a thousand, I was going to say a million records, um, in Power Query, if you if you say um, you know, if you try and remove duplicates, if you sort it based on the date column first to give you the, the most recent record and then remove duplicates, you would think that we would complete the sort process first, then remove the duplicates. Yes. I mean, logic would suggest yeah, that, yeah. but it's not how it works. Yeah. And, and so you actually, <clears throat> and the solution uses a buffer function to force Power Query to load the entire table before it does the, the removal yes. step. And so, um, and it came about, as did much of my blog fodder, came about because I had a, a problem that I came across and I couldn't work out why it was a problem. And then I had to do some R&D and learn. And then once I learned, I wrote about it and yep. share it. And then obviously other people have had the problem as well, at least 700,000 of them. And, <laughs> um, and so that's why, they, that's why they read them. But also... Yeah. Um, the other thing about my blogs is sometimes there's processes. I'll give you a good example. There's one process that I use many times, and that's when, let's say you've got an employee table with a start date and an end date. Like oh, they're yeah. employed on this date and they terminate on that date. So two, there are two date columns, and you're trying to say how many how many staff did I have every yes. month? Yes, yes. Well, it's not a simple modeling solution because you've got two two date columns, you can't create relationships. You can, but one of them's got to be inactive. Anyway, the, how do you solve that problem? And you can do it with virtual relationships using filter function in DAX, but you have to think through the logic. I want this column to be greater than or equal to that column or the min of this column, the max of that column. 
And every time I used to solve this problem, I'd have to go back to first principles and reinvent it again because I could never process the logic freely in my brain. I'd always yes. have to go and build a little sample table and do the testing, work out the logic, and then I could write the DAX code. And so I, I said, this is stupid. So I wrote a blog article about it, shared it with everyone else, hard documented the actual steps to do the thinking and the examples. And then every time, every time I come across that problem, I just go straight back to my blog and, and uh, copy what, what I wrote. So, yeah, um, so that's the other reason. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, so yeah, um, so that so, was my most popular, my uh, probably one of my favourites. I I wrote an article about how to build a Power Query calendar table oh, from scratch. So just basically starting from a blank query and build a Power Query calendar table. And one of the reasons I like it, I mean, there's insert year, month, all that sort of stuff, <clears throat> and there's a few little ticks and tricks, but. You know, a little bit of M code in there as well. So you know, going into the apply step and hard coding a start date, um, working out today's date to find out the end date, but then hard coding some bit of code to say will take you through to the end of the year because it's good practice to, yeah. to do that. And, um, yeah, so just a bit of a mismatch of different um, different cool. techniques all in that one article. So I'll, I'll send you links to both of yeah, those. excellent. My most popular and my favourite, yeah. In the show notes. And then sort of wrapping things up, um, I like to ask my guests if they've ever had any brushes with fame. Have you met any famous people? Do you... um, I, I haven't. I mean, I haven't met too many famous people, but um, but there are two people that um, I think I wouldn't ask that question. So one is Jeffrey Wang, who I, okay. Jeffrey Wang from Microsoft, who uh, he certainly. Well, I'm not sure whether he was truly the father of DAX, but he might not have been the father, but he was certainly there when it was conceived. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I was really uh, starstruck to, to meet Jeffrey, he's such a nice guy. Um, and then the other one, the other person that I've met that was you know, perhaps before I was, I was doing this work was um, Stephen Covey. And, and so I'm a real fan of the seven habits of highly effective people. And um, oh. so he wrote that book. And I went to one of I went to a seminar back in the day at Coke when we had um, plenty of money to send us to seminars and we had a backstage <laughs> yeah. meet, meet and greet. So um, oh. so yeah, that was that was a, an enjoyable opportunity for me. Very yeah. cool. And um, yeah, from chatting when I chatted to Lars Schreiber um, on on this podcast, we, he he sort of talk, we're talking about one of his worst presentation moments. So that triggered mm -hmm. off a bit of a. A theme so you know any uh, any horrible nightmare presentation oh, sessions you said we haven't got much time left right but <laughs> yeah, yeah. look the one the, and um you know the one that comes to mind so martin kirby uh, who was he was my when i was at coke he was my account manager who was working at microsoft and so i knew him before i went into business myself and um he asked me when he was working at microsoft he asked me to come and present to one of Microsoft customers, it was a government department. I don't remember which one, maybe New South Wales Water or something like that. So I had all my presentation done and you know I was all ready to go and we're into the room and had my laptop warmed up and, and ready to go. I got a feeling it might have been a Mac running parallels at the time, but that, that's perhaps part of the problem, but another story. And um, I plugged in the HDMI cable and blue screen of death and oh. it... And it did not recover. I could not get my laptop 
working again. And uh, so the room full of people, Martin's brought in this guy to show everyone. I, I was ready to go and uh, unre I got a feeling I um, might have used Martin's laptop to access some online files were not the exact ones and oh, it was yeah, horrible. I haven't heard from him since. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess that, that says something about that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, terrible. Uh, that's a good one. Um, and then, sort of, and finally, so I'm going to strand you on a desert island. Uh, you're allowed to take one item, luxury, whatever, with you, but it must begin with a letter M in order or in honor of the M language. So, mm. what would you take? Um, so, I struggled a little bit because if I'm only allowed one thing, you know, my my iPad's not going to work. It doesn't start with M, but that's another problem. Nah. But if I don't have internet, and I've got my I've got my um, SpaceX internet now, which I could actually take. Well, I wouldn't uh -huh. have power, I guess. So that's that's another issue. And I, so I'm really struggled. I don't know what I'd do on an island. I don't want to be stranded on an island. Is right. is the truth. But I think as a bit of a uh, one word, my dog. Okay. So if I can, if I can get around it, I'd, I'd take uh, my dog. And it's uh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, cam uh, camel case. Camel case. Camel, my dog. Because you've written it camel case, I'll allow it. I've, I've yeah, disallowed so, my something in the past, but I will allow it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. But so you wouldn't you wouldn't fashion some golf clubs out of you know a stick and a you know. Coconut <sighs> I don't know. I, maybe I maybe I took the question too seriously because I, I I just I have these flashbacks of Wilson on a beach with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not your cup um, of tea. That. Uh, I just you. I think it would be terribly depressing to be uh, to be on your own on a, like on that, a permanent so. thing. Mm. Yeah. We we need a bit of the socials. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah, all good. Anyway, no, I appreciate the chat, Matt. You know, appreciate you taking the Thanks, time Wim. to chat. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to catch up. Yeah, great to have a catch up, and we'll hopefully uh, catch up in person at some point soon. And yeah, uh, I will uh, keep sharing the magic of Dax and Power Query with everyone, and uh, we'll catch you later on. Yeah, thanks, Wim.